Well, good morning, y'all. I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor. Excited to open up God's word, look at it together, and commune with the God who has spoken to us in powerful ways through the Bible. Sometimes those ways don't always make sense exactly when we're doing it on our own. That's why we gather together, so that um, we can look at the Bible together, so we can understand its message. We're in a series called Following Jesus in the City. We're unpacking our values. These are the things that we think are most important. Our values are how our church defines spiritual maturity. So if you want to grow in your, in your spiritual journey, if you want to grow as a Christian, become more spiritually mature, if you want to become a, a, a more mature disciple of Jesus, these five values are what we think are the best descriptions of what it looks like to be a mature Jesus follower. And uh, a lot of the values that we have, I guess maybe four out of the five values are pretty similar, I think, to most other churches. Maybe we articulate them in a little bit of a different way, uh, but there's a lot of overlap between four of our values and most other churches. The value we're looking at today, our fourth value, is something that I think is pretty unique to us, especially in the way that we articulate it. Uh, and so um, this this value that we're going to look at, it's it's really important in terms of perspective on how we think about life and how we think about the world around us. And so this value is this. It's that we are city positive. We are city positive. Okay, so when we think about the city, when we think about the culture that is outside of the church, when we think about the world that we live in, we are positive about the city. So I want to do a quick shout out to our kids Got a few of them here uh, in, uh, in the parking lot, but those of you who are at home, and, and I just want to say again and again and again every week, I know how difficult it is for you who are tuning in online, and God bless you for your efforts to stay connected. It's so difficult to stay connected when it's on a screen, and, and I see that, I know it, I understand it, and I just want to, uh, God bless you for your commitment to stay with us online. Um, and I know that with families with kids, the kids might be running around. Kids, I want to ask you a quick question really quickly as we dive into this. Um, kids, are birthdays good? Of course they are, right? Of course, birthdays are amazing. They're wonderful. You get to celebrate someone. You get to serve someone, do nice things for them on their birthday. And being city positive, it's kind of the same thing. Being city positive means that you celebrate and serve the city, okay? You celebrate and serve the city. It means you celebrate what's good and then you serve what's broken, okay? That's what it means to be city positive. It means you celebrate the good and you serve the broken. And again, being city positive is about how we see and assess the world around us. The gospel teaches us that God loves the world. Living on mission Tell, uh, means that we show and we share Jesus and the gospel with others in the world. Well, city positive describes how we feel about those who need to hear. Um, those who need to believe in Jesus. City positive describes how we feel about them. Because when it comes to the world out there, the culture, um, how are we supposed to think? How do we interact with the world that we're trying to reach? And our answer as a church is that we want to be city positive. And in defining this, I want to tell you what it's not. Because sometimes understanding this is easiest when you see what city positive does not mean. So I'm going to give you a list of four things that city positive does not mean. And I'm going to tell you what, 
those things can produce in a bad way uh, if we're guilty of those things. And so, um, so being city positive means that we are not against the city first. We're not against the city. If we're against the city, then that makes people that are Christians, it makes them critical and hostile, right? If you're against something, you get critical of it, you're hostile to it. We're not against the city. We're also not above the city, okay? We're not above the city as though we're better than the world out there. That can make us condescending and even arrogant, right? Condescending and arrogant, not a good look, not a good vibe. We're not that. We're also not apart from the city. So we're not like segregated or alienated or isolated from the city. Because if we are, that makes us exclusive and also makes us irrelevant, right? We have no relationships. There's nothing there. Um, And then the last thing that we're not is we're not assimilated to the city. Okay, assimilated to means we become just like the city. There's no difference between us and the city. And, uh, And if we are that way, that makes us both sinful and powerless. So we're sinful, not honoring God, but then we have no power. We have nothing to offer the city. And so we're not against the city. We're not above the city. We're not assimilated to the city. We're not apart from the city. Instead, we are for the city. That's what it means to be city positive. We are for the city. And so this means, again, we are celebrating and serving. That's what it means. And so today's message title is who we are as a church. Okay, Harbor City, we are in the city for the city. That's the kind of church we are. We are a church in the city for the city. And this is exactly what God tells his people to be when they are living in a culture that's different from their own. In Jeremiah 29, God's people were living in a culture that was really bad. It was really, really bad. And here's how God told them to live in it. And it's helpful because it's how God wants us to live in our culture, in our city. And so Jeremiah 29 verses 4 through 7 says this. These are verses that are in your bulletin. Um, It says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles. So that's what they are, right? When you're living in a place that doesn't like run the way you run, doesn't vibe the way you vibe, like you are exiles. So he says, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So they were in Jerusalem in the Holy Land. It became unholy because of their sin. God kicked them out and brought them to Babylon, which is this other culture, other community. So he says, verse five, this is what you're supposed to do. Verse five, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Verse six, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Verse seven, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So God is saying in this passage, don't be negative about the city. Don't reject the city around you. He says, enter the city and live in it. Live and work marry and multiply. Seek the welfare, he says in verse seven of the city. 
and, and this is a Hebrew word. Uh, the word trans- welfare is not a Hebrew word. Well, welfare is an English translation of a Hebrew word. The Hebrew word, though, is one that some of you probably have heard before. Um, it's the word shalom. Right? It's a Hebrew word shalom. And, uh, and the, the one sentence or the one word phrase to define shalom is what? It's peace. Right? It's peace, but it's a peace that is deeper and more robust than simply like the end of hostility. Okay? Uh, verse 7 says, seek the shalom of the city. So it's seek the shalom, and, sh- and shalom means peace and wholeness. Shalom means to be safe in mind, body, and estate. Okay? It's a peace-filled wholeness that encourages generosity. It's like when things are so good with you that what you have, you want to share with others. Like that's shalom. It's peace with God. It's peace with others. It's peace with yourself. And it's peace with the world. And so you're able to be generous. You're able to to embrace others. You're able to spread this peace to others because you have peace. And this, this is what it means to be city positive. It means that you work for the city's flourishing. You seek this peace, right? You're supposed to seek the welfare, verse 7 says, and pray for it. So this means you seek it yourself. You work for it. You work toward it for you and for your city. And then you ask God. You pray to God to bless your efforts and then to work even beyond your efforts. And as the city around you experiences peace, you will experience peace. This passage is teaching us, verse 7 shows us that your welfare, your shalom is bound up in the shalom of your community. Which means if you have it, but your community doesn't, you're not going to have it. One of the most profound expressions of this idea, it's credited to Lilla Watson. Um, She is an Aboriginal Australian activist. And in um, this, this quote has come back to the forefront uh, in our discussions, especially around racial reconciliation. And, And this quote, it's so powerful. This is what she said, or what's credited to her. She said, I don't want to be credited. I don't want to be credited for a quote that actually was produced out of a collective Um, progression of thought. And so, but this is what, here's the quote. It says, she says, if you have come to, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. And so there are communities that have been oppressed. There are minorities that have been oppressed and abused and systemically violated. And she, as a member of one of these communities, is saying, if you've come to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together. And so she's saying, like, if you have been moved to want to help bridge gaps and to, and to, to try to try to bless people across racial and ethnic lines. If you, want, if you are aiming for racial reconciliation because you just want to help, then you're not helping. Instead, if you're in a majority culture, you need to show up and realize 
that it's not just the minorities who have been oppressed that are hurting and are broken, but you as an oppressor, you as someone who has been abusive, you also need to be liberated from your own darkness and your own brokenness. And if you're not coming with a recognition that these activities that you're engaging in are you also working out to experience your own freedom, then it's a waste of time. This quote is so powerful and it helps us understand that the communities like our shalom, our peace, our welfare is wrapped up in the welfare of the communities that we live in. And as much as even with COVID, even with all of the isolation and the pandemic and all of the ways that we with technology can alienate ourselves from everybody else, it's really hard to be happy in a society that's not. So, so how can we do this? How can we be city positive? Um, how do we leave, live um, seeking like mutual flourishing? Well, I think it's by growing in our five values, all five of them, but specifically it's by being city positive. And so there's two things that you can do. There's two things, if you want to learn and grow in being city positive, there's two things to do. One, you need to see and celebrate what's good. And two, you need to see and serve the broken. So see and celebrate the good, see and serve the broken. So again, it's celebrate and serve. Celebrate and serve. So that's how to do it. That's how to be city positive. Celebrate and serve. But I want to show you where this impacts your life. Okay? And so what does city positive mean? It means two things. These are the things we're going to look at for the rest of this message. City positive means, first, that we are creation positive. Okay? So to be city positive means that we are creation positive. That means that we are for God's creation. Okay? We are for the earth. And what this means is that creation is good. Okay, what God made is good. And what that means is that physicality is good. Okay, physical stuff is good. Like pinch yourself right now, grab a hold of your clothes or something like you're touching something physical. God made the stuff that he made stuff and it was good when he made it. Right, physicality is good. We have an embodied existence. Okay, we all have souls, but our souls are in a body, and that's a good thing. That wasn't a mistake. God didn't make a mistake when he put our souls in bodies. And so we are, our spirituality is body and soul, right? It's soul and body, because there are some people, there are some Christians that, that, that they say, well, sure, the world was good when God made it, but now sin has come in and corrupted everything, and now the physical stuff is bad. Spirit is good, but physical is bad. And there are other religions, like uh, there's religions like Hinduism, like Buddhism, that, that really talk about denial, and they deny the goodness of, of the physical. And they say, actually, you need to separate yourself from what's physical, that everything in front of you that you can see, touch, taste, all that stuff, is, it's a distraction, it's a distraction. It's, it's, it's deceiving you into thinking that it's important, but it's not. And you need to have this, the, the, 
in some ways, like the eschatology, the aim for the future with a lot of religions is to, to evacuate your physical self. It's, it's your soul will leave your body and go off and be in some other place and you'll just be a spirit somewhere or you'll be like a drop in a collective spirit ocean or reservoir with every other type of life. That's not Christianity. Christianity even, but, and there are churches that would say that, no, no, the physical is bad, but the spirit is good. And they'll misquote passages in Romans 8 and other places. And that's not God's opinion. It's not the Bible's opinion. It's not what God teaches us. In fact, the Bible says that this world, all of it, is a gift from God to us. Okay, Psalm 116, or Psalm, Psalm 115, verses 15 and 16 say this. It says this, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. Okay, so God made it all. He made the invisible creation in heaven and he made the visible creation with the earth. And the heavens are his, but he gave the earth to us that God made the world and it was good when he made it and it's still good even after sin has entered in. It's been corrupted, it's, been, it's fallen, but there is still goodness in what God made and he wants us to receive the world as a demonstration of his abundant grace. And so, and, and you know this, okay? You know this. You experience this on an almost daily basis. Because th this is why you love sugar. Because God made it and he gifted it to us. This is why you love salt. This is why you love meat. This is why you love vegetables and fruit. Right? This is why you love beer and coffee. Like San Diego has gone crazy in craft beer and craft coffee. Why? Well, because God made this stuff. Stuff ferments because God made it to ferment. And so these things are good. These things are good. Yes, they can be abused. We'll talk about that in a second. But these things are good and they are reflections. Tastes and smells come from God. So that even eating and drinking is a gift from him. And so the physical matters. The physical is good because God made it for us and gifted it to us. And so this is why plants and trees and rivers and oceans blow us away. This is why mountains are so moving to us. This is why the stars blow our minds. This is why atoms like get us super crazy interested. It's like, how could something be so small that we can't see it? And yet it's there and there's this like electron thing that like, and then you put another electron and it's like, and then another, and there's like these layers. And I mean, it's all unbelievable, right? Microscopic organisms. There's like, what's the word? There's um, bio something, uh, ecosystems. Thank you. There's like microscopic ecosystems that exist and all this crazy stuff's happening like in the world, there's these creatures that just like, they, they grow, they multiply, they eat, they do stuff. Like, I mean, crawling on our skin is like stuff everywhere. You look at it close enough. I mean, it's all of this and God made it all. And all of this shows, it's like God's power is shown in the heavens. God's precision 
is shown in the tiny things. Like, and all of this is God's creativity and his, his productivity and his beautiful, he's beautiful. And so being city positive is just saying yes to all of this. Being city positive just means that we appreciate and love the God who made all these things. That's what being city positive means. It means being creation positive. It means being positive about the physical. And our appreciation of these things, it's a way to honor God. It's a way to be thankful. And so whatever you love in this world, right? Whatever you love, write down a few things. Like what do you love that's physical in this world? Well, that love, that appreciation, that affection, the, the devotion, like some people are devoted to things, like they're devoted to hiking, or they're devoted to cars, they're devoted to fixing stuff, right? Whatever you're devoted to, whatever you're into, whatever hobbies you have, you can turn that love, appreciation, devotion, you can turn that into a moment where you are celebrating the God who made the physical world and you can love him for it. And that's where this isn't just like an idea or a justification for why it's good that you eat too much sugar. That's kind of what I need sometimes, right? It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. This means that in those moments when you are experiencing the love for this thing that you have, that in those moments you can commune with God. You can commune with God. When you have a good meal, you can say, God, thank you for this. God, you provided this for me. And God is there going, yeah, isn't this awesome? And so we, we, we can meet with God in these things. Every time you notice something that God has made, you can celebrate the God of creation. And we're taught to do this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. So 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 and 5, it says this. For everything created by God is good. Hey, hey, city positive, right? Everything that God created, everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Check this out. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. There you go. You can commune with God if you thank him. And so thoughtfulness is worship. If you think about the creation in this way and it leads you to the creator, that's worship. So thoughtfulness is worship. Thankfulness is worship. And so even though creation is fallen into sin, even though creation, Romans 8 says, has been subjected to futility. Like creation is dying, it's decaying. And there's a decaying nature to all of this that in some ways God is using now to remind us that even though this world is good, it's not all there is. There's so much more to come and you don't want to put all your hope in the physical, right? You don't want to worship and serve the creature, what's been created, you want to serve the creator, Okay, but even though all of creation has been tainted by sin, we still want to, in every way possible, affirm a healthy celebration of what God has created. 
We don't want to worship it. We don't want to be enslaved by it. We don't want to be addicted to it. And when we are enslaved and we are addicted to things, there are times when we need to limit our access. Sometimes our celebration goes a little too far and we're not celebrating God anymore. We are, we're stuck and we're trapped and we are, we end up enslaved to the place where we're actually serving something that God created rather than serving him. And so that's all true, but we never want to despise God's good gifts that reflect his abundant and extravagant grace in the gospel. And so, okay, so that's, so being city positive means that we are creation positive. The second thing that being city positive means is that we are people positive. Okay, we are creation positive, but second, we are people positive. So this means that we are for people. Now, they're kind of related, right? Because people were created. So people are part of God's creation. People are the pinnacle of God's creation. We're the climax. We're the high point. We're the last thing God made. And can I just say that people are amazing? Who is it? Is it Jim Hopkins? Whenever Jim Hopkins speaks, whenever he gets up, he always says, you know what? I look out on all you people and I just think, wait, this is amazing. Like you guys are amazing people. That's what Jim always says whenever he gets up and speaks. He's one of our elders. And that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Like I'm looking at you and I, like, y'all are amazing. Like you really are. You are made in the image of God. You have been crowned with glory and honor. There are things about you that remind me of things about God. Like there are elements of who you are. There are things that you do that made me think, man, like God does that. Jesus is like that. And so with people, we want to celebrate and serve. We want to celebrate and serve. And so when I think about this, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think about the kinds of things so it's not just what people are. We have consciousness. We are different from the rest of what has been made. Even things that are alive, like we're still different because like here we are. We're standing, sitting. <laughs> like all of this has been paved. You know, like we did this. And, and there's a building right here, right? There's a building right there. There's a building across the street, right? There's like, look at all that we made. Like this is crazy. Like look at that tall building back there. It's huge. can't tell if it's bigger than that one. Um, but so like we do amazing things and we need to see and celebrate the amazing things that people do. And so like, this reminds me of art. Like artists need to be honored. So many people think that, well, art's just a sort of thing that's like a nice to have, but not a need to have. But I got to tell you, if we believe in a God who is an artist then we need to cultivate and support the arts in our lives. I would say it like this, the, the glorious joy and depth of the gospel cannot be contained with mere words. Like words alone do not do justice to the infinite glory of God. And, and you know this, because even, even words, I mean, I know how much you love my preaching, right? But how much more powerful sometimes is the music? Like when you sing a song rather than say it, 
when the music crescendos in that moment and you hit the bridge and there's a key change. I mean, like there's something like, I was going to say magical, but it's really spiritual that happens with the art of music. Like you think about painters, sculptors, like all kinds of artists, like they're able by depicting images, they're able to communicate truth. They're able to like cause us to stop and to think and to process. They tell stories in ways that words alone cannot. And so I feel like art goes beyond words and it moves us. And I was thinking about this, like, and this is one of these things where I could go on and on and on for hours and hours and hours about all the ways that you can be people positive. And so I just have to give you a couple of samples, right? And so this week I was thinking, like, this is why so many people love knitting. Knitting, like sewing. It's because God actually made the world so that the world would fit together. Like he made us to fit together and knitting, sewing, crocheting, like all the different ways of like weaving fabric. This is reveling in God's creative design. Like that's what's happening. People are bringing things that really aren't very strong in and of themselves, but they're overlapping and underlapping and weaving and knitting. And like, there's all these different kinds of stitching and, and there's, and like, and what's the result is this thing that's stronger and more beautiful because it's been joined together. And then you see in a passage like first Corinthians chapter 12, where this image of the church is like the body of Christ where everyone has a part and each one contributes to what it, what it can supply and the whole thing knitted together builds itself up in love. I think I borrowed from Ephesians 4, 16 as well there. It's not just 1 Corinthians 12, but so, because the idea is that God wants us all to weave together into one body. You know, that's the image where everyone has a part and the body is healthy because it can, and it can do more together than the individuals can do by themselves. Like this is what knitting and, and, and fabric does. And so we want to celebrate people and what they do. Okay. Let me tell you something. Every person that you know is like, is a mine, is a mine. If you would take the time to dig and to care and to listen and to hear rich treasure will come out. People's experiences, what people think, conclusions that they've come to, insights that they have, discoveries that they've made about the world and about their lives and the way the world is. Like everyone's got stuff um, that's worth listening to. And so you want to celebrate people, you want to celebrate what they do, and then you also want to serve what's broken in people. Right? So being city positive isn't Pollyanna. It's not rose-colored glasses. We recognize that people are broken too. And when they're broken, we don't want to condemn them. Right? We don't want to beat them up. We don't want to act like we're better than them. We don't want to be separated from them. Right? We want to be for them. We want to be for people. And so when people are broken, being city positive means showing up in the name of Jesus and caring. It means taking the time 
to care, to serve, to sort of reweave the fabric of society. Um, and I think in this, this is actually what most of our work does. Most of our work, the work that we're called to do is providing a good or a service to help reweave and make the fabric of society stronger. And so one of the ways that you can be city positive is to see that your work is designed by God to let you play a part in the serving of our community. Um, I think it's amazing that we have like 1.3-ish million people in the city of San Diego. Most of them are relatively healthy and they're living their lives. Like it's kind of remarkable if you really think about it that that many people can be in this close proximity and we're all generally, not all, but like the majority of us are taking care of each other. Like we all have food. We all have, like most, most of us have food. Most of us have a place to stay. Most of us have the things that we need. And it's remarkable to understand. Um, and where that's not happening, we serve where it's broken. Right, this is why we do city events to serve. This is why we're doing the Thanksgiving. You want to be city positive? Show up on the Saturday after Thanksgiving and help serve people food who have no food and have nowhere to go. They have no family. Come be their family. In that way, you'll be serving what's broken. And so in this, like I think all kinds of leadership, all kinds of like categories, like replication, multiplication, like abundance, love that's offered, like all of these things are ways for us to be city positive. Because when we do these things, we then show God's disposition. Like we show what God is like. So being city positive, we want to see and celebrate Everywhere, we see our creator and our redeemer reflected in the world. Um, and then we want to see and serve everywhere we see sin manifesting itself in the world. So creation positive, people positive. So let's take action. If I were going to tell you to do two things as a result of this message, you could probably guess them, right? Because I've said it like 15 times already in this. Um, so take action. First, I want you to see and celebrate the good everywhere you find it, okay? I want you to start doing that. I want you to see what's good and learn to celebrate it. Maybe you just celebrate it in your heart. Maybe you just say, oh, thank you. Like, this is great. Or I see this, this is good. Or I see this is effective. I see this is helping someone. I think this is, this is beautiful. Like, I want you to see and celebrate the good everywhere you find it. I would encourage you to grow to a place where you can learn to be, to celebrate it out loud. Where you can tell people that what they're doing is good. Um, so first, see and celebrate the good everywhere. Second, what am I going to tell you? See and serve the broken everywhere you find it. Devote a portion of the time in your schedule to serve what's broken. And then third, I want you to commune with our celebrating and serving Savior. I want you to commune with our celebrating and serving Savior. Because Jesus, like Jesus is the, the, the revelation of God. Jesus teaches us that God himself celebrates 
what's good. God sees and celebrates the good that we do. He's like a father. He's proud of his children. And when they fall, he doesn't condemn them. He serves them. Like the father loves you so much that even when you fail, he doesn't cast you out, but he actually identifies with you. And the death of Jesus, the the, the cross of Jesus is God showing how much he cares about you when you fail. The cross of Jesus shows you that when you weren't what you were supposed to be, when you aren't what you're supposed to be, Jesus comes to serve you. And in the resurrection, the resurrection is God telling you that he's not done with the physical. Like Jesus rose in a body. Jesus will have a body forever and so will we because God will continue to delight us, body and soul, forever. Like Jesus' bodily resurrection means that all of life will be redeemed and so we serve a resurrected Savior who honors and affirms physicality, who honors and affirms our celebration of all that is good. And when you are thoughtful that way, when you're thankful to God, you worship him and commune with him. So let's pray together. Jesus, this is, this is mind-blowing to me. And I hope that all of us are stretched and that you are opening our hearts wider to receive more of the goodness in our world. Um, We do confess that so often we think that so many things are irrelevant when actually they're gifts from you. And so we turn now our hearts to you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a world that has so many things that are richly for us to enjoy. We pray that as we appreciate those things, that we would turn that appreciation into thanks and worship, that we would find that you are present in so much more of our lives. Jesus, we thank you for serving us. You have drawn near to us and cared for us when we desperately needed you, when we stood condemned because of the things that we have done. You died. You took the punishment for our sins. And we thank you. And because of that, we want you to send us to serve what's broken in our lives. Jesus, please touch the hearts of folks that are here and they don't know you yet. Help them to become Christians by committing to you and your goodness, by receiving your sacrifice. If you want to become a Christian, just commit your life to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Move us as a church, Jesus, to be able to celebrate with the people around us and to show the people around us that you are a God who celebrates and serves. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, we have a time in our service each week uh, where we, we give or we think about our giving. Um, one of the ways that we can celebrate and serve what God is doing in the church is by supporting it financially. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, um, if this is your church home or if you feel moved to want to support our church, you can do that. Um, you have an envelope. I think you have a giving envelope in your bulletin. 